Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. We are back with another edition of Buckeye Talk. Douglas Maurice from Cleveland.com here with Bill Landis and Ari Wasserman talking Ohio State football as always. This is like our like about our 100th or 200th podcast, I think it is. Uh, I think it's the 33rd. So, right. Around in that range, um, so we're getting we're getting we're so good at it. We're the best podcast. I really think like we're check the best. check the ratings, guys. We used to be the bad podcast. Now we're the best podcast. Um, that's a big leap from yeah. bad to best. We are going to talk about JT Barrett today because he's famous, and you want us to talk about him. And when we put his name in the headline, maybe you'll listen to the podcast as a result. Also. What we want to do is go beyond Heisman talk, go beyond record talk, and talk about how freaking good is this guy, actually. Like, um, JT Barrett is a, is a very nice guy to talk to. Um, everybody says great things about him on the Ohio State team, and you see him play. You see him and what he has done. But then you watch like Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson against each other, and you just—it's interesting to try to place him in the pantheon of college quarterbacks. And again, we're not talking about whether the Browns should draft him or not. You know, we're we're talking just about how good is J.T. Barrett, which sounds like kind of a dumb, obvious question. But Ari, I think it's. Actually, what? a rather complex question. Because you have to phrase it differently. Phrase it, what is the... Because we were talking about it before. and it, it what, Not what, how, but Not what? how good is he, but like where would you categorize what, him? What is Classify he? him? What is JT Barrett? What is JT Barrett? Complex, right? Right. Because it's like... And you can't write that in the headline because nobody will know what that makes sense. But in the context of this conversation, it might make sense. It's like, what is he? Is he a superstar? Is he a flashy... Crazy, crazy person, right, Bill? He's not a crazy person. He's not a crazy person. But, like, when I watched Lamar Jackson, it was just like, he is not JT Barrett, and they're both different. And how do you explain what each one of those things is? Because they are vastly different. They're both good. It's not about whether you're good or not. It's just a different type of thing. And that's why I think this is so interesting. What is he? Is Lamar Jackson Braxton Miller, by the way? Um, Or is that not a good comparison? Everyone's comparing... Lamar Jackson to Michael Vick. But for the modern-day Ohio State fan, is Braxton Miller a valid comparison for him? He might be, because I didn't think... I like casually watched the Florida State game, and I watched him more, more closely against Clemson. And there was one play, I think it was late, it might have been in the fourth quarter, where like I thought he was done and the game was over, he was going to get sacked, and then he like spun out of a sack, and then spun out of another sack, and then ran forward for 11 yards and got a first down. And I was like, whoa. So maybe Braxton Miller is a good comparison. They certainly look different because Lamar Jackson is like tall and lanky, and Braxton Miller was a little more was a little shorter, but obviously built well. We've talked about how handsome he is, um, but styles and ability to make people miss, like maybe, maybe. I think Lamar- he's more like Vince Young, maybe. I think Vince Young is more like a like a Roethlisberger, just really he's hard powerful. to tackle type. Yeah, Jackson's definitely smaller. Like like Jackson Young, right? Jackson is not Braxton, but he's not Terrell Pryor. But he kind of like runs like Terrell Pryor, but moves like Braxton. And it's like kind of like a like. And the reason why I use Vince Young is because he's kind of a skinnier, taller version. And um, and there was one play that stood out to me. Like you had your one play, the one play that stood out to me for Lamar Jackson, there was like one where he dropped back and then like immediately saw a hole and then burst it up the middle. And like, it was fast. It was like a snap of the finger type of a deal. He gets to his top speed 
really fast. And like, yeah. I don't know even if Braxton would have been able to do that. Um, but like, I think he's a combination of a few guys cause he's tall and lanky, but he's also like, I don't think he's as elusive or as jukey as Braxton. Okay. So let, let me ask this. There's going to be like a lot of, I'm going to try to pin you guys down on this or that, this yeah. or that. As okay. We try to evaluate JT Barrett. So <clears throat> pretty brief answers on this. With this Ohio State team, if you had the choice right now, next week, and you could pick the quarterback, would you rather have JT Barrett or Lamar Jackson? Well, you have to. You have to. I mean, that's not for Ohio State. For Ohio State, did you say that? I said that. Oh, okay. I said for this Ohio State team on Saturday playing Indiana, or this Ohio State team that's trying to win a national championship, and you could trade JT Barrett for this Lamar Jackson straight up. Would you trade him? I would not. Would you? I would not either. I think there's a and why. I, I touched on this when I wrote um, before the Oklahoma game, how like Baker Mayfield is like the complete opposite of JT Barrett. I don't think Urban Meyer's offense functions very well when the quarterback is ad libbing, um, and I think Lamar Jackson does a lot of that. Uh, I don't know if it's because obviously the talent around him is not as good as the talent he would have around him at Ohio State. Um, JT Barrett doesn't do a lot of that. If the play breaks down, he just runs forward. If you had a guy who's standing back there running around like a crazy person, which is a word I've been saying a lot lately, turning his back on the play, spinning around, running all over the place, and not kind of playing point guard and getting the ball out to all those awesome playmakers that Ohio State has in its offense, I think the offense would suffer because of that. Um, JT Barrett is not Lamar Jackson, I think, from an athletic standpoint whatsoever, but in terms of being a fit for what Ohio State wants and what Urban Meyer wants, I think JT Barrett's perfect. See, Doug, you have me torn because my number one hot take on Ohio State as you're well aware, is that Braxton Miller as yeah. a quarterback was the number one quarterback in this system. Like that is at its peak, Urban Meyer's offense and his best case scenario is to have a guy like Braxton who can throw. Maybe he's not the best passer on planet Earth, but he can make the throws you need him to make. He's also very elusive. He's a natural runner, and he can make people miss like no other. And then you ask me, would you trade JT? And I said no. So I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> because Jackson, whether... Jackson is more Braxton-like than JT. 100%. And so so it's like, which one is it, Ari? you got to pick one. And the reason why I think I said no is because Ohio State's offense is functioning at peak level right now and putting up comparable. They're, they're averaging more points than Louisville in the last, you know, six games. And I, I thought that's true. They are. And since, more points than Louisville? Dating back to last year, so it's kind of a skewed. Oh, okay. In the okay. last six games, I don't know for sure if that's true this year, but it's in the same well, realm. That would make sense, yeah. Ohio State's average is third it's in averaging the country. 56 points right. a game. This year. So, Louisville might be in the top two. But so when you ask, great. would you replace the quarterback of a team that's averaging 56 points a game, it's like, to improve what? And that's kind of the problem that I'm having. I think it would be more fun. I think if I had to... And maybe this is a question that you're going to come to, but if you said you had to pick JT Barrett or Lamar Jackson in a fantasy draft to build your fake team around, I think I would take Lamar Jackson. I just don't know if I would insert him into this situation. Okay, so we kind of got your answer to this already. It was going to be my next question. Who is the better Ohio State quarterback? Braxton Miller or JT Barrett? And let's take Braxton Miller at his best or JT Barrett at his best. Who's better? Better. Better for, for Ohio, Ohio State. A better quarterback for Ohio State. Again, the, the, the framing of the question is the same. If you could take JT Barrett at his best for Saturday for this season or Braxton Miller at his best for Saturday and for this season, who would you take? I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think I would take Barrett. Uh, by the way, Louisville is averaging one more point per game than Ohio State is this year, 58-57. Um, for a lot of the same reasons I just said before about Lamar Jackson, and I, I wasn't around, I wasn't covering the team um, before the 2014 season, so I have not, I don't have any prolonged um, experience watching Ohio State's offense with Raxton Miller as its quarterback. Um, but I've, I've always disagreed a little bit with Ari's stance that Braxton Miller is the ideal quarterback for Urban Meyer's offense for all the reasons I just said before. Um, I think Braxton Miller is really good. Uh, I just don't – I don't think he's um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Like calculated enough maybe to be the quarterback in this offense? Like uh, uh, the read option stuff, I think he keeps it all the time. Because yeah. he wants the ball in his hands. He wants to be the guy making the plays, and there's nothing wrong with that. 
if you want to be the man and be the quarterback and be the guy who's leading your team to a win, like, I don't have a problem like with that. Like, would Braxton have taken it away from Elliott 25 times Braxton, last year when he should have? Here's the perfect, like, Ohio State played Rutgers this past weekend, and Mike Weber had a 46-yard touchdown where JT Barrett held the ball in really long on a read. Braxton Miller would have pulled that ball out, like, two seconds before. And JT Barrett held it and held it and held it because he knew in his head that that play had a better chance of being successful if Mike Weber eventually took the ball. And I don't think Braxton Miller does that. And it's a touchdown against Rutgers. It's not ultimately that important. But change the team they're playing. They're playing Alabama in the playoff, and that play happens. Like, Braxton Miller's keeping it. I'm not saying he's not going to get yards or score a touchdown, but I just don't I just don't think he surveys things the way J- JT Barrett did. I think Braxton Miller wants to keep the ball and make the play himself more often than not. Well, this is the first time you've given me anxiety on the podcast, so good question. First time? Well, I mean, I just... That's my goal every week the is problem, anxiety. The problem is, though, is that we have never seen Ohio State with the peak Urban Meyer talent with a Braxton Miller type at quarterback before. Which is what we thought we were going to we see were never, in 2014. So it's like hard for me to envision. I still think that Braxton Miller, it's the same exact question that I already answered, but Braxton Miller <laughs> at full health to build a team around, I would take over JT Barrett 100 times out of 100 times. Would you take Braxton Miller and insert him into this offense? I don't really know the answer to that because we've never seen a Braxton Miller type quarterback playing with five five-star prospects on the field with him. The only time Braxton Miller ever really had the full reins of this offense was early in 2012 when he was the only guy on the field no, that could make no, a play. No, no. 2013. Yeah. 2013, he and Carlos Hyde were a great one-two combination. In 2013, game. but uh, they weren't Throwing at the... to Devin Smith, they were undefeated the whole year and should have gone... No, I know, but game. I don't know that they were... They had the same type of overall offensive flow and the way that oh he draws up his offense from Urban Meyer's vision that they do now from the H-back. And I know that they had Carlos and um, there were pieces there, but I don't know if that was the same type of complete picture that we're seeing now. And maybe that's an incorrect view of looking at it. Maybe you'll disagree with it. I think that's incorrect. I don't know that 2013 was missing much. I mean, they, Carlos Hyde was a great back, especially the second half of that year. Carlos Hyde was a great back. They had Devin Smith and Philly Brown as two NFL receivers, as their top receivers. They had an excellent offensive line that had Jack Muhort and Corey Lindsley and Andrew Norwell, all guys who are starters in the NFL, as well as a young Taylor Decker. Um, And that was a really good offense. So, so, I mean, if if part of the evaluation is we never saw Braxton Miller at his best with the best talent around him, we got a pretty good look, I think. I think in 2013, that was a pretty good look of what he could be. But I think like the pure H is probably where I'm sticking. And, and like, I don't know if you consider Philly Brown as that in that argument. Um, no, he's no. And, and I think that like the way that Curtis Samuel is involved in this offense and just the entire overall scope of the way Ohio State runs its offense with a functioning H, I'm not sure that we were quite there in 2013. And I can see that maybe you would think I'm wrong. And I respect that. But I, I just don't know if we've ever seen enough because, like, they don't need JT Barrett to make plays. They want him to run at times, and he does a very good job of it. But like, I feel like every time Braxton Miller was at the helm, he was a major part of their offensive output. And and the one thing is, um, they did it. You got that sense going into 2014. It was supposed to be that we're going to have more guys, we're going to have more options with other playmakers, and Braxton won't have to do so much. And he's going to be more of a point guard. And then his arm exploded, and then JT filled that role. And we, I spent, we spent much of 2014, as people completely forgot that Braxton Miller ever existed. We're trying to remind people Braxton probably could have done this too. So, and like, was he I'll, a point guard in 13? No, he was. He was a. Uh, he was like Kyrie Irving or whatever. He was like a guy. He was a scoring point guard. He had the so, ball in his hands all the time, but he wasn't mainly concerned just with distributing. The question I have then in, in reverse to it is then, is Braxton Miller even capable of being a point guard in the sense that JT is? And is there such thing as a midway point of point guard who can also do something crazy? And the thing that, and Bill, and I know, Bill, you didn't see Braxton as much, so let me ask you this about JT. I think you are right, Ari, in saying that Ohio State asked more of Braxton when he was the quarterback. There was more on him. Is is there less asked of JT? And this is splitting hairs to some degree. I mean, he's got to run the whole thing. But they don't rely on JT Barrett to do to make something out of nothing, right? Again, the whole crazy yeah. person argument. 
Is, is that because that's the best way this offense functions and they really don't want a quarterback who could do that? Or is that because that's not who JT is? And, and if they did have or when they do have quarterbacks who can do things on their own, then they play to that strength more. Is it that JT – Bill, here's the fine point of this question. Right now, the way this offense works, is it more that the offense is being fit to JT – because he's not a crazy person, or is it that JT is fitting more to the offense because the offense at peak operation is run not by a crazy person, but by someone who executes? I would think it's this. I mean, it's probably a bit of both, obviously, but I, I think I might lean a little more toward the second one, that that in the ideal offense, this is what Urban Meyer wants out of his quarterback, and he's not just necessarily fitting it to JT's skill set. Um I mean, he recruited him. It's not like he inherited him and had to build his offense around him. This is a guy they went out and identified and, and said, we want this guy to be our quarterback. First quarterback they recruited to Ohio State in a full recruiting class. The first guy they recruited at Florida was Tim Tebow. Kind and, of a big deal. And as you were posing the question, the question that I had in the back of my head, and I thought you were going to say it, and you didn't, is does a quarterback who has Braxton Miller's inherent athletic skill set complicate this offense? In a bad way? In a bad way. And I think that that's the question, really. I, I don't know. I don't think that JT Barrett is physically capable of doing the things that Braxton or Lamar Jackson does. And I think that that's fine. But if he had the skill set and the natural ability to make people miss and explode the way that Braxton did, would things be more confusing? But you do think, Bill, this offense is better with that kind of guy. I do. Because I think it's – I mean, we saw it kind of last year against Michigan State when, when the offense was just – running back run the ball or quarterback run the ball, it didn't work very well. Uh, I think this offense is, is largely predicated on, the, again, the point guard word, getting the ball to the best playmakers on the team, and the best playmaker on the team is not the quarterback. Uh, when Braxton Miller was around, it was, obviously. That was the case, and Lamar Jackson's the best playmaker on his team. But I think Urban Meyer's offensive philosophy is have a really good running back and a quarterback that gets the ball to dynamic athletes in space. And that's not anything new. That's how a lot of teams run their offense. But if you have a guy like Braxton, like you said, I think that does complicate things a little bit because that guy is so good and so dynamic that you sort of you change the way you play offensive football in order to keep the ball in that guy's hands. And then I think you can get bogged down a little bit and your offense doesn't match your philosophy, if that makes sense. And what's sense. interesting is that national championships in college football have been won with both types of guys. Yeah, I don't think one way is right or one way is right. wrong. I just I, I, I think But like can, Urban hasn't really relied unless I don't know how you and I think we might be getting to this, Doug. The Tebow? Well, that's the thing. I I think that needs to be interjected here because he won the 2008 National Championship at Florida. You know, that was – that's peak Percy Harvin. That's also Tim Tebow battering ram. Just like their offense is like, hey, we snap at the Tim Tebow and he just like slams himself into the line, right? Like a crazy – like that was a lot on a quarterback. But he wasn't – he wasn't – yes, I agree with that. But I I think there's a distinction in that Tim Tebow – wasn't making crazy jukes to make guys miss. He wasn't spinning on his head in the backfield. He was getting the snap and running forward, which is like I think the thing that when they, when Urban Meyer credits JT Barrett's running ability, he credits that that ability to just like okay, I'm running now. Nothing fancy. I'm not going to juke. I'm not going to spin. I'm just running forward and getting as many yards because as I can until you tackle me. I can't think of one time JT Barrett ever made anybody miss. And I don't know. I think he's a little more. He's more elusive than more Tim elusive Tebow than, than maybe we're giving credit for. But like, I don't think I've ever seen him plant his left, hesitate, and explode right, oh, and then somebody that. fall to the ground like yeah, Braxton does a million does times. That. I don't it's know if he does not that. The way he runs the ball, but and like, I think largely, if you look at Urban Meyer's track record recruiting quarterbacks, like with the exception of Cam Newton, who I think still isn't all that shifty. He's obviously a dynamic athlete, but he's not Braxton Miller shifty. I mean, that might be the closest thing that we have to Urban Meyer recruiting that kind of athlete. Every other quarterback yeah. he's used and had success with is a guy he's inherited who obviously didn't have that skill set. My, my point in bringing up Tebow is is that in the three national titles that Urban Meyer has won, I feel like they've done it with JT Barrett-like quarterbacks and not Braxton Miller-like quarterbacks. Like his track record in when his teams were their best is when they were using a guy that's more like JT of his skill set, which goes back to the original question of which one is better for this offense. Although they won the last three games – with a guy who just threw the ball at 80 yards down the field and then scrambled and ran over safeties. So um, that's Cardell Jones. I, I, I don't know. I don't – we asked JT Barrett this week actually about this. Um, 
the idea of a Deshaun Watson or a Lamar Jackson, sort of what would they be like in this offense? I asked if, if sort of anybody, any good quarterback could run this offense for Ohio State, if there's something about JT that makes him an ideal fit for it. Uh, this is what he said. Um, I'm not really sure. Um, trying to compare the quarterbacks to our offense. I think um, I do fit well in this offense. That's one of the reasons why I came here. Uh, but to say if somebody else could come in and do the same thing, I mean, I'm not sure. Um, I think one thing I try to do is prepare really hard, and I think that's what goes into the success that uh, I have on the field and also my teammates, you know, rallying around me because, you know, I threw the pick in the game and it was just like, I apologize to everybody and then we go after it again. So I think that's part of the guys that have faith in me and the coaches that have faith in me. And uh, I just try to prepare as hard as I can so I go out there and play the best I can for the team. So I don't, I don't know. I think it's, and I think we're going to get some, and Ari, I guess you probably have the, the best handle on this. We're going to get some answers, I think, about JT Barrett. And, and this has happened a lot in my career. You get a real feel for a guy after he's gone because they have this place runs so many good players through it. Sometimes it's hard for guys to stand out. It's talent into talent into talent. But the example I always use is I had a much greater appreciation for Ted Ginn Jr. after he left. And the next guy wasn't Ted Ginn Jr. It's not that you didn't know he was fast when he was here. But then when the next guys came and they were running and you thought, eh, they are not as fast as he used to be. I'm wondering if if – we may see that in the future, and then I actually, actually have another question to back up on that. But Ari, here's my question for you about this. The guys who are going to be next here, whether it's Joe Burrow or Dwayne Haskins or Tate Martell or Emory Jones, Martell and Emory Jones, the quarterback commits in 2017 and 2018, are they JT Barrett or are they Braxton Miller? Who see, are they? Tate Martell, Tate Martell is JT far Barrett. more – yeah, Tate, Tate, that's an interesting question. And like Tate Martell has drawn, and I've written about this, so many comparisons to Johnny Manziel because of size, because of the way he plays, the way his offense is. He's kind of a crazy person. Yep. So then before we go to Emory Jones, how would you describe Johnny? So people I can envision can, it in their head. Who would you put him as? How would I describe? Like would, would Johnny goes into the JT Braxton. Johnny is much more Braxton of than course. JT. And uh, I think that's kind of what Tate Martell is. Um, but like Tate Martell also plays on a super team. So he's already getting a lot of practice, in my opinion, on playing on a very team, a very talented team that is better than every team they play. So he's going to have a really good sense of what that's like when he gets to Ohio State. And I watched the game on Friday night against Aquinas. And I've watched them play a few times on TV this year because they've had a few nationally televised games. And I don't watch uh, Tate Martell and go, holy crap, I cannot believe he just physically did that. He's fast. He's athletic. He makes some good throws. I don't know that he's a crazy freak athlete. Um, And I don't even know if – When he gets here, do you think – when a play breaks down, will he run forward and get four yards, or will he run backwards, backwards in an attempt to get 25? Backwards in an attempt to get 25. I don't think Urban Meyer would allow his quarterback to do that. Which brings us to the next point of, and I actually had this debate today with another media member of like the future quarterback, because I like did the crystal ball in my head of like how this is going to plan out, and that's probably a different podcast. <coughs> we'll let Doug, who's the point guard of the podcast, decide whether or not we can talk about it, but there's a chance. I'm not like Braxton at all. Uh, Emory Jones and Tate Martell are going to be in a quarterback battle with Dwayne Haskins and maybe Joe Burrow, uh, or maybe not Joe Burrow, depending on what JT Barrett does. Um well, Joe Burrow is going to be a part of it no matter what in two years. So, unless he's in the NFL. Unless he leaves early, uh, which we'll get to as well. <laughs> um, and like Emory Jones is a big-bodied guy with a cannon of an arm who is like Cardale Jones in a sense because he's, he's only a, six foot one. Yeah. I mean, he's not 6'4", so I'm sorry if I – but like but he's, he's, a, he's a thick guy. Yeah. And he's got a monster arm, but he's also very fast. And I think that the general thought is that he is the best – most athletic quarterback out of all of them. And the reason why, I mean, it's, it's so hard to predict what Ohio State's quarterback situation is, is because you hear that everybody loves Dwayne Haskins and what he's doing. Tate Martell is the Johnny freak that's going to do anything and run backwards 25 yards, and it's going to be electrifying, spread offense football at its finest, and then you have this youngest one out of all of them. 
and Jones, who's going to come in and have the least experience out of all of them, but he might have the most physical gifts, like natural skill set. But do we think – so the guys who are on the roster right now, Joe Burrow as a redshirt freshman and Dwayne Haskins as a true freshman, are they JT-like? I think they Dwayne is be, probably more JT-like than Braxton. I think I've heard stories about both of them comparing them to JT Barrett. I think they're very JT-like. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe Burrow a little more so than, than Haskins because I think Haskins probably has a better arm. Haskins might have a better arm than JT Barrett. Um, but Joe Burrow, I see a lot of similarity, similarities Excuse me, between Joe Burrow and JT Barrett. Um both in the, in, the, in the way they throw the ball. Like, I don't think either guy has a strongest arm, and, and Joe Burrow said that after the spring game, that that's the thing he's working on the most is his arm strength. Um, but they throw it well enough to, to do what Ohio State wants its quarterback to do, and they both have enough athletic ability and running ability to be a threat and make you worry about it. I don't think either one of them is going to wow you. But. See, the thing that's funny to me is that Joe Burrow was a dual-threat quarterback, like listed as a dual-threat. He ran a lot in high school, though. Right, but what I'm saying is, is Haskins wasn't. Right. Haskins is a pro-style guy, and you can't – and I don't know. I'm not the guy at 24-7 and rivals who put pro or dual threat in the profile. But in my head is that like – and that's been a thing that Doug's written about extensively of like he's more Cardale than he is JT even. And if he's more Cardale than JT, then there's no possible way that you could put Haskins in the Braxton category. No, and I don't no, think – No, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. He's not – it's interesting, but then I think the idea, and we were sort of asking this like around Sunning Day when Dwayne Haskins got here, after what happened last season with Cardale Jones and JT Barrett, to me it proved that Urban Meyer must have a quarterback who can run, not scramble, but be part of the planned run game, both as a runner himself and both as someone who's very comfortable in the read option game where he is making that give in a very natural way. That wasn't Cardale Jones. I think Cardale Jones still may end up being a very good NFL quarterback. He was not the right fit for the way they used him and the way they called plays. So that to me must like Dwayne Haskins must be able to do that. Cause I don't, cause Cardale Jones, the whole point is they didn't recruit Cardale Jones. They inherited Cardale Jones and what Cardale Jones did in the playoff run was unbelievable. Um, but he wasn't a fit for that running part of the quarterback here. So if they went and got Dwayne Haskins and Dwayne Haskins was a huge flip for them, for them to get him in the end, Dwayne Haskins, they have to think that he's able to do that because yeah. I don't think they would bring anybody here who they didn't think could be a run. And, and I, it's the differentiation. I don't think you have to be a great runner. You have to be a running threat. Yes. And you have to be able to do the zone read thing. And I think all these – Burrow, Haskins, Martell, and Jones, they must have to be able to do that. I think um, – so we went and watched Dwayne Haskins play in – I think it might have been like October of 2014 – and that was my first year in the beat. So I, I had a couple games of seeing JT Barrett, Urban Meyer's offense, and like the idea of how they wanted to use their quarterback. And that year I watched Dwayne Haskins, and I watched uh, Joe Burrow play a couple times. And watching both Joe Burrow and Dwayne Haskins play, knowing what I knew about the offense and how JT Barrett looked in it, it made sense to me that they were recruiting both those guys. Because like I said, I saw a lot of Barrett in both of them. I thought they were doing very similar things from a schematic standpoint to what Ohio State does, but then also operating the same way that JT Barrett operates. And they weren't crazy athletes, but they were doing just enough to be a threat to run the ball. Now I'm going to throw a wrench in all of this. Who did Ohio State choose in that class initially? Do you know what I'm talking about? You're talking about Torrance Gibson? No, I'm talking about Tristan Wallace. And I'm talking about the reason why Dwayne Haskins was not a main focus in their recruiting plan. What I'm getting the classes mixed up. What year? No, you're it's right. 2015, right? Yeah. Or 16. No, Burrow, 16. And, Burrow and Burrow was 15 and then 16. Haskins was, was, Haskins was 16. Yes. So for the most majority part of 16, Ohio State had an athlete named Tristan Wallace from DeSoto, Texas, committed as their quarterback. And I use the word athlete intentionally because he was still learning how to play quarterback. But he was a crazy good athlete. So in this continued discussion of, oh, it makes sense that Dwayne Haskins – is a major part, uh, or is a is a kind of a mirror image of what JT Barrett likes to do. And you wrote that when we saw him play in 2014. Ohio State still went with the crazy athletic choice first before before Haskins came back into the fold. And it was an interesting and thought Wallace process. Wound up going to Oregon as a receiver. As a receiver. <laughs> so, but that was their choice. They but, chose that. But here's but here's my question. Wallace did decommit on them, right? But did something? And I would argue it did. Did something happen 
during the 2015 season as they watched the offense with Cardale Jones and as they watched the offense with JT Barrett where Urban Meyer said, wow, we can never have a quarterback that is not JT Barrett-like again. I've seen Braxton. I've seen Cardale Jones. Again, two very different types of there's That's three completely different models, right? Yeah, for sure. Braxton, Cardale, JT, all effective, all very different. I feel like maybe something happened in 2015 where once and for all, Urban Meyer, if he ever had a question before, settled on JT Barrett is my model. And in the end, maybe they thought they wanted Tristan Wallace, but maybe they realized, wow, Dwayne Haskins is JT Barrett. But of course, we just said that we just said that Tate Martell is Braxton Miller, so that might be wrong. It um, seems like there, there's no consistency, is what I'm trying to say. Well, but I don't With know if the, it's, is it consistency or do, maybe maybe I'm completely wrong. Do they like bringing in different types of guys to see what works to have options? Because it's not like every single year they need to figure out a new guy. Right. You could have three different recruiting classes that are three different types of guys, and then the one guy you like the best is the one who's there, and then you have three other ones three years from now that are going to be the next guy. So I don't know if they have to have four JT Barrett's on the roster. I'm not sure that's the right idea. But I do think that based on the behavior and the way that they have approached recruiting the quarterback position, there has certainly been a different type of style multiple times. There's no pattern of that's the guy that fits the JT mold and that it's all the same because it hasn't been. It just hasn't. Okay, we'll break for our fake ad. I think we missed our fake ad last week, but I think it's very important for us uh, as we grow as a podcast approaching our 400th or 500th episode, I think now. Uh-huh. We've been on uh, – we were doing podcasts, boy, I think back in like 1997, back when podcasts weren't even very popular yet. Uh, we're really – sort of laid the foundation here at Buckeye Talk. Um, Coors Light. It's a beer. Uh, we saw someone tweeting with a Coors Light hashtag. Uh, the Buckeye defense is called the Silver Bullet defense. That is the Coors Light is the Silver Bullet beer. I don't drink beer. I've had – Believe it or not, I've had roughly two ounces of beer in my entire wow. life. I went on two a, ounces of beer. I went on a, the only time I ever drank a beer in my whole life was when uh, we were. I was playing beer pong in college when I was rushing my fraternity, and you know I was like some nerdy like eighteen year old guy, and it was like someone you know hit the ping pong ball on my beer, and I couldn't be like I don't like beer. Can I have like you know? So I drank a sip of the beer. Uh, awful. Um, I went on a brewery tour when I was like ten, and the the <laughs> smell of the hops was so overwhelming of the tour that by the end of that experience, I, every time I tell this story, I can conjure up the smell. I smell it in my nose right now. Disgusting. <laughs> the smell of beer was so disgusting to me that that is the, whenever I taste it or think about it or smell it, that's what I get. And I've never had it. I hate it. I am confounded by people who love the taste of beer, and I just blew our Coors Light partnership. You right literally out the just there. took our entire two thousand to one hundred to two thousand listeners, and now we're going to have like twelve next week. <laughs> the I you can't alienate beer, beer drinkers on our podcast because everybody's a beer drinker. I'm a beer drinker. I like um, so this this is brought to you by Bud Light Lime, the official <laughs> drink of Ari Wasserman's life. Yeah, um, and, and we're all different. <laughs> so anyway, whatever, Bill. <laughs> We tried to get a Coors Light sponsorship there, and uh, and I think that probably failed. But like, if, if Diet Coke is interested, I drink I drink four hundred ounces of Diet Coke a day. I feel uh, the same way about diet soda that you feel about beer. Did you go on a Diet Coke tour when you were no, young? No, I just think it tastes disgusting, and I, the thought of drinking it makes me ill. But he also has never had a mixed drink either, right? No, no, no. I like fruity drinks that taste okay. like candy. Just wanted this. I just wanted you to say that out loud. No, like, oh, you baited me. <laughs> yeah. Now. Oh, I like jumped in. Like, oh no, I'm an alcohol drinker. I enjoy fruity drinks that taste like candy. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. I'm going to read some JT Barrett stats, and then I'm going to ask a very pointed question again of my friends here, Ari Wasserman and Bill Landis, along with Doug Maurice. Again, this is the uh, we're from Cleveland.com. We cover Ohio State. Um, and we're talking about JT Barrett. JT Barrett. If you missed it on Saturday, became Ohio State's all-time leader in career touchdown passes. Um, he is tenth all-time in passing yards at Ohio State. Uh, he is about twenty-eight hundred behind Arch Schleister. Um, so, if he comes back next year, 
He should be number one there. He is currently ninth all time uh, in pass completions. He's about 132 uh, behind Bobby Hoying. Again, if he comes back next year, he'll be number one there. He is uh, he has completed um, 65% of his passes. That's first all time at Ohio State ahead of Todd Beckman, who was 63.4. Again, he's at 59 touchdowns. Uh, Bobby Hoying and Terrell Pryor were at 57. Um, he averages 174 passing yards per game in his career. That's first. He has 13 200 passing yard games. Um, that's tied for third. Bobby Hoying is first with 16, so JT Barrett could break that by the end of the month. Um, he's first in pass efficiency. Basically, if, if he stays here for his fifth-year senior year in 2017, he will be the record holder for every meaningful career passing statistic um, at Ohio State. And, I mean, it's he's at 59 now. The NCAA record for career touchdown passes is 155. So the point of all of this, he's not even in the top 200 right now, and he's Ohio State's all-time leader. The point here and congratulations to JT, is that Ohio State for 100 years didn't throw the ball. The fact that this is their all-time passing touchdown leader is almost funny because, again, it's, not, it's, it's just like a one of the – It's like the freshman. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Like, again, like you do that in a season and a half. This is one of the great all-time college football powerhouses, and their leader in career touchdown passes is not in the top 200. Um so JT Barrett, we know is going to go down in the record books at Ohio State. Here's my pointed question for Ari and Bill. We just talked about a lot of JT Barrett types, right? And how the JT Barrett type, the way he plays, fits this offense. So there's one thing to say to the JT Barrett type. This is about JT Barrett. Is JT Barrett special? Or... Does he just have a particular set of skills that fit this offense and he's smart and he works hard? Or is there something special about him that it's not just that having a guy who doesn't run around like a maniac, who distributes the ball, who's good in the zone read, you know, all those things. What about him, the guy, him, that person? Is he special? That's a really tough question. Um, I think it's... Is yours a straight no? Is that I have my answer, so if you're struggling, I'll go first. Uh, no, like I don't I don't think I have I think my answer is no. It's just really hard for me to go to that place of, of being special. I don't think he's average. I think he's in a space between special and average, and there are a lot of places you can go between those two things. But I, I think special is is something that to be reserved for incredible quarterbacks that do things that like make you dizzy when they're on the field and I like guys like Michael Vick and guys like Lamar Jackson and guys like Deshaun Watson and I would not put JT Barrett into that category. Maybe he's not far below them, but I can't I can't go to special. Because I always feel like athleticism is part of that. Right? You can't can you be special but you can't like you're just a really good passer, is that enough to be special or do you have to have physical attributes that make there are people different say, ways wow. to be special. Like Aaron Rodgers is special because he can throw the ball in a two-inch window with a defensive lineman pulling him to the ground 30 yards down the field. I don't think he's special. I think Braxton Miller is special, which you may or may not disagree with. But I think what Braxton Miller did on the field, there aren't a lot of people who can do those things, and I think that's why I categorize him as special. I agree with that. Does that make him a better college football player than JT Barrett? I don't know that that's what I'm saying. But I think that JT Barrett – does the things that he's asked to do very well, and it works very well for the offense. And I think that the special players around him is what makes Ohio State cumulatively special. But I don't think that he is a special quarterback per se. And I don't know if that makes – does that make sense, Bill? Because you're kind of rolling your eyes. No, 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 sorry. Yeah, it makes makes sense. um, Because I don't don't think that JT Barrett is going to be the head quarterback of the Detroit Lions one day, and we're not going to look back and say, wow, he's – we missed that one. We missed that one. Yeah. I, I just I think that he's a very productive college player who fits a scheme very well. Smart, hard worker. I think there is something to all the leadership things that we hear, but none of that equates to special. Man, I'm just gonna the next 20 minutes of this podcast is just gonna be me pinning you guys down and making you uncomfortable. Um, boy, man, did you guys hear Bill and Ari said JT Barrett's not special. I can't believe they said that. Okay, well, what, do you have an opinion? I'm just asking questions here. Um, <laughs> How would this offense be with Deshaun Watson? Ohio State recruited Deshaun Watson. 
You are making uh, me we uncomfortable. Were we were joking about this the other week <laughs> that if Deshaun Watson had chosen Ohio State instead of Clemson, JT Barrett might be the best backup quarterback in college football. Or the starter. Um, let me pause for 10 seconds here to make a public service announcement. JT Barrett is a great player. We are not criticizing him. We entered this discussion with the baseline that JT Barrett is a very, very good player. He is a winning quarterback. We are trying to zero in on some things here beyond the Heisman race, beyond record. We're trying to have a real discussion. This is not to criticize JT Barrett. This is like we're the beginning of the discussion is JT Barrett is great. Now what? End of public service announcement. What would this offense be like with Deshaun Watson? I don't know. The same? I, I don't know. It's hard for me okay, to – I would the argue same. If, if you think Deshaun Watson is special and you think JT Barrett's not special, I don't know if you can say the offense would be the same if Deshaun Watson but was going. It's like to me, it's a lot like the question that we had of like if you dropped Lamar Jackson into it. Because like I would put Deshaun Watson in the Lamar Jackson conversation. But I think – see, because I think Deshaun Watson is – Deshaun Watson is far less of a crazy person to me. Yeah. Yes. And we are using crazy person for shorthand for a like sort of a game-breaking um, quarterback who does improvised things. Yeah. Well. Um, and maybe it does them very well and maybe is not quite the bing-bang-boom quarterback yeah. as much. Okay. Because I think Deshaun Watson is a bing-bang-boom move down the field quarterback who also has the ability to be a crazy person when needed. Nobody – I don't mean to interrupt you. No, but... I think I said the same and uh, maybe that got mistaken. I mean this the same in terms of like production, like overall points scored and yards. Like I don't know how much better this offense can actually be than averaging sixty points a game and five hundred yards a game. Um, it would certainly look different, I think, if Deshaun Watson was the quarterback. Um, he's a better thrower than JT Barrett is. He's got a bigger arm, can throw the ball downfield farther, um, I, and probably a better runner too, right? Um, does he do everything that JT does yeah, within the like, realm of what they want from JT a step better? Yeah, probably. Like he's a more dynamic athlete, certainly. Um, a better thrower. He's bigger. He's probably faster. But can also lock it in and, and do all the same things. Right. So I, I think in the, at the end of the day, the, pr- the production numbers probably be the same, but it would look vastly different. Um, Deshaun Watson, I think, is infinitely more threatening as a football player than JT Barrett is. So teams, would, I think, would approach Ohio State a completely different way than they do now. Because um, for as good as JT Barrett's been, um, I don't know if I don't know if defensive coordinators go into a game against JT Barrett like shaking at the idea of how how do I stop this guy? Uh, I think they worry more about the guys on the outside and in other positions. And if you're playing Clemson or whatever team Deshaun Watson's on, you are planning how do I stop Deshaun Watson? When Ohio State, I was asking Urban Meyer a few weeks ago about offenses uh, about Houston's offense actually and whether or not Houston's offense was similar to Ohio State's and that was Oklahoma week to see if Ohio State being similar to Houston was an advantageous thing for Ohio State going into the Oklahoma game and he said we're more like Clemson which means that to me Deshaun Watson is in Ohio State's offense already just at a different place and if you ever have an iPhone or you use emojis I think Urban Meyer, when he saw Deshaun Watson in high school, was the one with the heart as eyes emoji. <laughs> I don't know that we've seen Urban Meyer, at least from you know my time on this beat, really go all in and fall in love with a guy the way that he did for Deshaun Watson. And he did it to the point where, as we've written extensively, it might have hindered Ohio State from getting another quarterback because that's how much he wanted, that's how bad he wanted Deshaun Watson at this place. And I think that that's telling. And I think that this offense would be better off with Deshaun Watson because he's the best player in college football probably. And he's in a system that's very closely executed as the way Ohio State's offense is. And I just think he might be a step better at JT Barrett than JT Barrett everything that JT does. And I don't know. Doug's already no, attacked no, 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 me. No, no, I don't, no, I don't no, know. No, no, no. I just want to say I think you guys are giving – Really interesting answers today. I just wanted to say that. Oh, wow. A great job. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot again. <laughs> okay, here I think I think this possibly is, a, is an argument in favor of the JT Baird is special. JT Baird is different than – is better than you think he is. JT Baird's really going to be missed when he's gone. Last season, when the offense didn't work and it was struggling for the first half of the season, and JT Barrett was the backup quarterback and Cardale Jones was starting. And again, 
been on the record many times. I think Urban Meyer messed that up, made that harder than it should have been. Um, why? And now we see this offense clicking, right? Mm-hmm. One of the main differences, because otherwise you would look across the board and say Mike Weber's not quite as good as Ezekiel Elliott, Marcus Baugh's not as good as Nick Vanette, Jamarco Jones isn't as good as Taylor Decker, Noah Brown's not as good as Michael Thomas, boom, 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 boom. JT Barrett is the quarterback. Last year, at this time, he was not. Is that why the offense didn't work as well last year? Because JT Barrett wasn't the guy making it look smooth and natural. Or was it Tim Beck's fault? (laughs) I'm joking, but I'm not joking. Or was that mostly about their inability with their play calling to fit the offense to Cardale's strengths? They were caught in between. The Beck Warner thing wasn't working. All that stuff we've written about a hundred times. To me, you could maybe make the argument that if you want to know how important JT Barrett is, how special he is, not just JT Barrett type maybe, but JT Barrett himself, look at what happened when they had all those great players on that offense last year and he wasn't the quarterback. That did not look like it looks like now. That I think maybe could be a plus on the JT Barrett is unique and special in his own way it argument. Did, it did struggle when he returned a little too. It's not like they just miraculously snapped out of it. And I thought that the worst that they looked all year was when he came back for the Michigan State game. And granted, there was the off-the-field issue when he had missed the previous week. And there was never any momentum given to JT Barrett last year. Here's the offense. If you're having struggles, work through it. It was very choppy. And I think that there was some dysfunction in Ohio State's offense because there was no real uh, flow with the quarterback position. But I don't think that it was just as simple as Cardale Jones didn't run the offense the way that JT Barrett does because in their only loss of the season, JT was the quarterback. And that was maybe one of the worst displays of offense that we've seen in the last two or three years in just a game in general. And there are a thousand reasons why you could say that. They didn't give Ezekiel the ball enough. JT didn't throw the ball downfield enough. Urban didn't call enough plays to give JT a chance to throw the ball downfield, whatever you want to say. But that offense was a dumpster fire, and they lost a game to an inferior opponent. As good as Michigan State was, they were an inferior opponent last year. So I don't know if that is the only reason, but I do think that the dysfunctional relationship between the quarterback battle and Urban Meyer's decision-making was a problem for him. So you think that's like – so you don't view that as a thing that makes JT special in his own way? That's not a plus for JT then. Last, last year. year is not a plus for JT because JT was part of the problem last year. Okay. Bill? Um, I think I disagree. I, I – if I had one knock on, if I have one knock on JT, and I, I, again, like you said, this is not these are not criticisms of him, more they are observations. But I think a criticism I would have of him is last year he did not handle the competition very well, and he admitted that. He talked about it in the Big Ten media days that it messed with his head; he wasn't himself, um, and he never really got right until I would argue that he never got right because even the Michigan game was basically just like Navy's offense, JT's running or Ezekiel Elliott's running. Um, but I do think I view the fact that he was not the starting quarterback and the offense struggled as a plus for him because I do think that had he come into camp before the 2015 season, knowing that he was a starter, knowing that he was a guy not looking over his shoulder, not worrying about Cardell Jones taking his job, that offense would have been really good last year. Um, I think I, I think I can say that pretty confidently now from what I've seen through these uh, first uh, couple games of this season, that he with that talent that they had last year, that offense would have been good, and I view that as a plus for him. He, he, did have a chance to he win did. the job. No, I, I and he didn't. And I feel like it, the only I, way that I would make it a plus, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but the only way that I would make it a plus for JT Barrett is if he sat all of last year, the offense was bad, then he returned, and all of a sudden it was back to normal again. He was in the middle of the problem and the starting quarterback in the game that they lost. No, I I agree with you on that point. I think which I I thought I said that he didn't handle that well, like yeah. men- mentally did not handle that well. And that's why he wasn't good last year. But I, th- I think based off what I've seen this year, like al- altering history and going back last year and erasing that quarterback competition and saying JT's the guy, he leads the offense in 2015 season, uh, I think the offense would have been a lot better. So I agree. But yeah, yeah, I agree with you. But is it because of JT or because of. No, it's because of JT, I think. Okay, and not because of the like pulling the team back and forth between quarterbacks and not knowing who the leader is and all the stuff that comes along with the dysfunctional quarterback battle? I don't, I don't follow. 
I feel like last. Are you saying? I guess his question is: Are you saying it's more that JT, JT, from what we've seen this year, is just the better quarterback for the offense and a better player who would have made that offense run, and that's what would have made it better? Or is it the fact that if you would have had that scenario, say that Cardale wasn't oh, even right. here, just, just the, the fact back of no battle? No, I think it's because he's the right quarterback for the offense. I don't. Yeah, it's not the circumstance; right. it's the guy. Yeah. Um, something that came up sort of this week again. We had about a 19-minute interview session with JT on Monday. Um, some Tim Tebow talk there. Urban was asked, uh, is JT sort of getting to that leadership level, the Tim Tebow leadership level? We've only talked about JT Barrett leadership 1,400 times, which is fine. Um, this is what he said when asked about potentially being compared to Tim Tebow. Here's JT Barrett's answer. As far as being compared to Tim Tebow, he um, he told me that before, and it was one of the things like – I mean, I'm in eighth grade watching Tim Tebow playing hmm. national championships and things. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't know, it's one of those things that's also crazy. And I try to, you know, be myself the best way I know how and um, I don't know, try to help lead our football team to win a ball game. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's an honor for sure. So this then is my, my question for you guys. Do you think it's possible? And again, this depends a lot on. I mean, the one thing that's funny in this is that JT Barrett has not held up a national championship trophy. Now, he did it, you know, at the rally um, when they came back after winning the national title, but he was, like, still on crutches. That you know, like scooter he, wagon. <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, the JT scooter wagon. He was rolling through the, the, the playoff. He hasn't been the guy to lead them in the end. He got them so far, as far as he could, before he got injured in the Michigan game in 2014. Obviously, this is... You can't hold it against him because it's not he. You know he got hurt trying to make a play, and then Cardale Jones did a great job. But I think you know it would mean something. I'm sure it would mean something to JT to be the winning quarterback in a national championship game, not just be part of a national championship team and watching it from the sideline. So we have to see how it plays out. We have to see the stats he puts up, the number of games he wins. Do they win a national championship? Does he win a Heisman? All those other things. So sitting here now. Do you guys think it's possible, at least, that in the end, what Tim Tebow was at Florida, what Tim Tebow is to Urban Meyer, when JT Barrett is done here, could he be that? Could he be on that level, be the level thought of the way that Tim Tebow was at Florida? Could JT Barrett be that way at Ohio State? And could he go down in the, when you talk about Urban Meyer, you don't just talk about Tim Tebow, you talk about two guys. Tim Tebow and JT Barrett. No, I don't think so. Even if he were to win a national championship, I, I just think he carries himself in a different way. Tim Tebow, um, for as uh, as much credit as he gets for being a humble guy, um, I think lived his life kind of publicly, especially when he was a Florida and like used the podium and media sessions to make a speech. That's now isn't that speech on a plaque outside of yes. Florida? Football? On a plaque. Uh, JT Barrett, I don't think, is ever going to be a guy whose speech is on a plaque. And I know, like, 2014 was like, well, what speech did JT Barrett give this week? That was, like, the big story with him. And then the thing that followed him throughout the season was he was a big pregame speech kind of guy. And I don't I, – I believe that he is. But I also believe that he's never going to come into a media session and tell us verbatim what that speech to the team was. Yeah, the speeches that. happen. We just don't hear about them. Right. And yeah. Tebow, you heard about them. Yeah. He let you know, like, he he did that very publicly. And I'm not saying one way is right and one way is wrong, but one way gets you to become a legend like Tim Tebow was, and the other way gets you to just leave Ohio State as a very productive quarterback, maybe the most productive quarterback ever at Ohio State. But I don't think you get a plaque or and you're not talked about the way that Tebow's talked about even going on 10 years after he was at Florida. Tebow was a very polarizing person. But he was also in the conversation, at least at the time, of best college football player of all time. And if you believe that he belongs in that conversation, I don't think any of the three of us believe that JT does. So I think that even with the... Again, it sounds like such an anti-JT conversation. It's not. Not not an anti-JT. But like to be in the conversation for best quarterback or best player in college football history is a few steps forward than what we're talking about here. And I think the reason why... Tim Debo is what he is, is because he also almost won two Heisman's. Wow. Did, uh, man, did you guys hear that Ari said JT Barrett's Hater. not the greatest player in college football <laughs> history? I can't believe he said I'm that. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, 
Every week we ask you guys for questions. Uh, we are more than happy to take them here in the podcast. You can also always uh, just tweet us during the week at Ari Wasserman, at Bill Landis 25 at Doug Lay Maurice. You can find all of our work on cleveland.com slash OSU. Always more than welcome to ask us uh, questions in the comments there. Um, and we got a couple this week, Bill, right? What did the people have to ask us? We did us? get a couple. Um, this is from uh, – this, uh, this guy asks us questions all the time, and I never know how to pronounce his Twitter handle. I think it's at Wilecki. Chris is the name that's used, and he has a very funny picture of a squirrel with a mouthful of nuts. Um, <laughs> he asks, are we surprised that Noah Brown is third on the team in receptions, and will that change going forward? I'm surprised. I mean, I, I you know, again, we talked about this before. We asked early in the year if he was still hurt because they weren't using him much. They did not. <laughs> he was the star of the Oklahoma game, and against Rutgers, he was just another guy. He was just another guy in the rotation. So I have to believe that they are just continuing to be careful with him coming back from the broken leg. Um, and so, yeah, I I don't know what's going to change it. I mean, are they suddenly going to, against Wisconsin, realize, yeah, hey, this guy's our best receiver. Um, he's okay. Let's target him. Do you think they'll do that? Do you think it's going to change? I don't know that no, I think it is. No, I think it it's going to largely stay the same. And it, it goes back to um, – we talked about, we talked about Michael Thomas. Like he was the best receiver on the team and he was the leading receiver and he still only had 50 catches. Um, I just don't think the offense operates that way where they just keep feeding and feeding and feeding a receiver. There's no Julio Jones in this offense. Even if there was, I don't know if they'd use him that way. Yeah. Um, I am surprised, though, that he is third on the team in receptions for all the talk we heard about him. And I think – I don't – I don't think he's physically still injured, as Urbermeyer said that. He always says, well, he's getting better every week. He's, he never says he's still hurt, but he always implies that it's still in the recovery process. I don't, so know, I don't really know how means, to take Mental that. recovery or physical Yeah, I don't, I don't really know the distinction between those two things of like, he's still coming off of a traumatic injury and he's still recovering from a mental aspect so he can play full go without feeling any hesitation or if there is a lingering physical effect. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What else? Okay, how this this question is another podcast entirely. Fez the Buckeye wants to know how many players are going to leave for the NFL draft after this year. Thirty. I was going to say forty, uh, <laughs> but I could buy thirty. I. I mean, it's on, on some level it's unfair to project, but on another level, I mean, like we were sitting here, I think a year ago, and we would have thought, "Wow, Jalen Marshall's not going to go." I don't. We didn't even know if Eli Apple was going to go. We, we like Tyvis Powell. I mean, like in everybody, but Pat Alfine went. So I, I don't know. I, I think here's. I don't have a number. Here's my answer. After watching what happened last year, I did not take that as an exception to the rule. I yes. took that as the new rule. Yes. So here's my thing. If you think a guy might go, he's probably going to go. I think that's really fair. I think that Ohio State has. Built and designed the program around when you have a chance to go, go. And um, there's a lot of borderline guys. There are a lot more borderline guys. I mean, I think the sure the, the the overall number on last year's team was bigger, but I think there are more borderline guys who have an argument on this team than last year. Because Eli Apple and Jalen Marshall were the only two borderline fence guys, right? Tyvis, am I missing anyone? I mean, we're talking about Eli Apple as a borderline guy, and he went number ten. Right. Yeah. So I mean, that's like, like we thought like, at this time a year ago we would have thought of him as a borderline guy, and obviously we were wrong on that because it was like like he's there's, a gazillionaire now. Like if you told me right now Malik Hooker is going to be the number seventeen pick in the draft overall, I'd be like okay. And then if you said he's coming back next year, I'd be like okay. So it's really hard to tell, but like I think if you're like based on what we saw last year, I agree with Doug in saying I would bet if I had to pick one or the other that Malik Hooker is going to go just based on what we saw last year. Uh, we had a similar, basically the exact same question uh, we got asked from Slaz, at Slaz Roth. Um, I think we will have a longer discussion about this down the road. That's a good podcast topic for yes. the future. Um, okay, so two more. Um, ooh, a question about the polls. Okay, are we surprised that Ohio State has not earned more number one votes in the AP poll and the coaches poll? I'm not surprised by anything in the coaches poll because the coaches poll is done by SIDs who don't watch games. Um, and the AP poll is done by AP voters who don't watch games. Um, I think I vote in the AP poll, and I voted Ohio State number one, and I probably, I'm probably wrong. I think, and I wrote this when I put my ballot out, if you want to tell me Alabama was number one, I'd listen. If you want to tell me Clemson was number one, I'd listen. I don't think I'd listen to an argument for Michigan to be number one. Um, 
But I think there are legitimately three teams that could be considered the number one team in the country. Um, I think Ohio State is not getting more votes because poll voters largely don't put that much thought into it. They just picked a team that was a champion last year and is undefeated still, and that's Alabama. And that's why Alabama got 53 first place votes. I think people, it's easy to vote for Alabama. And I think people, there is some trepidation, even though it was a road win and a convincing road win. I think people are unsure how good Oklahoma is. Yeah. Although Oklahoma was back in the poll this week. After beating TCU. After beating TCU, which was a top 25 team. Yeah. So I think maybe maybe if Oklahoma is like, oh, okay, Oklahoma is really good. Oklahoma maybe is looking like the best team in the Big 12 again. Then I think that could help Ohio State and maybe when Ohio – if Oklahoma starts to look really good and Ohio State wins at Wisconsin, I think you might start seeing more. Yeah. Okay, and one last question to wrap up this whole thing. We talked for 50 minutes about JT Barrett. This question is from at Buckeye Fitzy on Twitter. Is JT Barrett a lock? To win Big Ten Quarterback of the Year, uh, I think yes. I don't even know who else could be in the conversation for that. I feel like this is like a like a question, like a Gary Johnson question. Um, name another quarterback in the Big Ten. Like, do you? <laughs> Gary Johnson is the uh, guy running for president who couldn't yeah. name a world leader. It's like I couldn't can you? One. I don't even know who the other quarterbacks in the Big Ten are. We have C.J. Beathard at Iowa. Can you, oh, sorry, C.J. Beathard. You're and famous. you have. I still have Mitch Leidner. That's your boy, oh, isn't it? Tommy Armstrong's playing well. Isn't Tommy he? Armstrong. You have. Uh, I don't even know who. I mean, Richard, Wisconsin Richard just changed Lego. quarterbacks. Richard Lego, who is a quarterback in Indiana. Um, no, JT Barrett, I mean, he, and the question he said, barring injury, barring injury, yes, JT Barrett's going to win Big Ten Quarterback of the Year, and he'll be in the running for silver football as well. Silver football, it's a, it's a great trophy. Teddy Greenstein will be back to uh, Leidner for <laughs> Leidner for the award? Leidner, you're on the Leidner bandwagon? No. Minnesota radio stations will be calling Ari this week. <laughs> now that that's out there, why, wow, Ari? I heard you said JT Barrett's Minnesota terrible. Minnesota came pretty close awesome. to uh, <laughs> stunning Penn State. They've got another big game this week. <laughs> Just layered all the time. All right, I'm going to stop now. Yeah. <laughs> all right, that's Buckeye talk. We're going to squeeze it in under an hour here. God, we like to talk. We're so good at talking. You know, I'm actually going to compliment you a little bit too. You're a very opinionated guy, and you didn't really provide that many opinions. No, I just want to say that everybody's a good player, and I love everyone. (laughs) Um, So I'm Doug. Uh, We're here with Ari and Bill. Thanks, as always, for listening. You can read us at cleveland.com slash OSU. And for this week, that's Buckeye Talk.